Previously on X-Men. You did it. Did what? Logan, don't you have a class to teach? A class to teach? Ah, history. History. Actually, I could use some help with that. Help with what? Uh, pretty much everything after 1973. I think the history I know is a little different. Welcome back. It's good to see you, Charles. It's good to see everyone. Well, I had a promise to keep. You and I have a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. What's the last thing you remember? Drowning. Folks, and welcome to episode 137 of Eddie and Caleb Zerocast. Of course, my name is Caleb Baldwin. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Caleb B. That's I am Caleb and then another B. Follow my friend, co host, and producer Eddie Cornelison at EDDYC85. Follow the show at EC underscore hero. Check out our Instagram, EC Herocast, and our Gmail, EC Herocast at gmail.com. The recording date is. Thursday, November 24th. That's right, Thanksgiving Day 2022. It is the early morning. And we are here, Eddie. We're not alone. No. We're joined by my good friend, my amigo, Josh Davis. You can follow him at Joshy Knows Best. Guys, how are we doing today? Fantastic. Fantastic. That's good to hear. Eddie, how about you, man? I am pretty good having a... You know, starting Thanksgiving off, I guess, pretty good. Um, I guess uh, I should open with uh, some bad news. Anytime anyone who's appeared or is scheduled to appear on the podcast passes away, I feel like it's only right to give it a, a shout-out to old Jason David Frank, the Green Ranger, 
White Ranger, Red Ranger, and Black Ranger. So, very sad. We, we never booked the Green Ranger. I know, but he was he appeared as a character in the movie we reviewed. Okay, yeah. No, it is actually pretty sad because, uh, I mean, we know the story. We know, like, these. this was not natural causes. That's very clear. And that's, yeah. you know, anytime someone so young decides to do that sort of thing, like, it's it's just tragic, man. Yeah, and it's, 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 I mean, he was scheduled to appear at a convention next weekend here in Columbus. And I'm not going to lie and say, like, oh, I was definitely going to go and see him. I mean, I thought about it. I hadn't decided if I was even going to the convention or not. Plus, Rosario Dawson was there, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, it was probably like a 33 and a third percent chance I would have gone and got his autograph. But it sucks because like, it was one of those things where it's like he did every convention. And um, like I would go and be like, oh, mm, well, I, you know, the Wyatt family's going to be there. I, I'll never get a chance to see them again, which I'm glad I did because, you know, Brody Brody Lee died, but yeah. And then it's like the next time it's like I'll get Jason David Frank. It's like ah, Brian Danielson though he's really cool. I need to get his photo. And like the next time it's like well, um, Elijah Dushku, big fan of hers. So and it just I kept pushing him off, and it's like well now I'll never get the chance. So good job me. But first off, you you chose Elijah Dushku over over JDF. I did, but I mean, look, I I had a huge crush on her, still do probably. Um, what what from Angel? Is that it? Angel and uh, Dollhouse, yeah. All right. She was pretty hot back in the day. Yeah, yeah still is. But uh, also, uh, what's that one the cheerleader movie called? Um, oh, bring it on! Bring it on! Yeah. There we go. Yeah. She was in the new guy. She was in uh, Wrong Turn. Yeah, oh. a few movies. Guys, next week we're starting the Eliza Dushku podcast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, real quick, but yeah, old R.I.P. to a real one. For, yes. 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 Pour, pouring out three Green, bottles for that. Green Ranger Saga as a kid was like the first appointment viewing kids had. Mm. Dude, I uh, I phased out after probably a couple of years on Power Rangers. I wasn't into it anymore. But when I was, dude, he made that show pretty cool. Like he was the the coolest thing about that show made me want to watch it was yeah it was like the first time you would watch a show and it's like wow the heroes might actually fail like they might actually die because this dude was that strong and Mm -hmm. um unfortunately you don't get that sense from the movie we're viewing today so enough bad news (laughs) as a segue yeah we'll dive into hey real quick because we do have a full plate i don't want to do like a whole time capsule i just want to run through it real quick all right go ahead all right. Also, pun absolutely intended because it is Thanksgiving. Uh, champions in wrestling, WWE champion Roman Reigns, NXT champion Samoa Joe, uh, TNA champion Drew Galloway, ROH champion Jay Lethal. Not much change in there. Number one song, still One Dance by Drake. And uh, history with the movie. I did see this in theater, and uh, unfortunately at the time, uh, this is my time capsule. It's kind of morbid. I remember my uncle was in the hospital at the time dealing with his lung cancer. And I'm sorry to bring the mood down. You know, that's how I remember that, though. 
having seen this like roughly a few days after it came out. Do you have any history with the movie, Josh? Uh, yeah, I saw it in theater. Yeah, so I, well, what I was doing with the time, I'll tell a quick story because it ties into two of our favorite things, baseball and wrestling. There was a uh, Ring of Honor show that was going to be in Columbus, and the day before the show, uh, to help promote it, Adam Cole was throwing out the first pitch at the Clippers game, and uh, he airmailed it. So, not the worst first pitch I've seen, but, uh, you know, I guess it's better to airmail it than short hop it, so there's that, you know. (laughs) But, my history with the movie, interestingly enough, uh, probably came out a year or so before the movie actually came out. So... If you recall on Days of Future Past, I was super excited. I gave it a 10 out of 10 as far as my excitement level going forward. And my friend ruined it all with just one sentence. He said, did you hear about, you know, X-Men Apocalypse? I said, what about it? He said, well, it takes place in the 80s. And right then and there, I was like, well, this is going to suck. Like, this... uh Everything I had built up in my mind, it's like, nope, that's not what it's going to be. And, like, I knew this wasn't... Uh, we talked about the timeline the last episode, but I knew this wasn't, like, the X-Men that fought on the Statue of Liberty were not the same group that, uh, you know, had already previously defeated Apocalypse. I get it's a new timeline. But it still was, like, it still kind of feels like they're doing a prequel and I kind of thought we were getting away from those, especially how Days of Future Past ended. And then the images of the movie started to come out, and I saw Apocalypse, and I was like, ooh, that's it's not how I would have him look, that's for sure. And I'm like, but, you know, maybe he'll look better when it's on the screen, and it didn't. And uh, I saw it in theaters, I saw it on TV once, and, you know, I know you guys are both 49ers fans, I'm sure when the schedule's released... You look at the schedule and you're like, ooh, you know, we play on Sunday night. There, that'll be a good game. And you're looking ahead at all the games. When I came up with the concept for this podcast in the fall of 2019, yes, th- <laughs> three years ago, I was like, God, I cannot wait for X-Men Apocalypse to rip it to shreds. And now that day <laughs> is finally here. And I just let's let's just dive in everything, facts and figures and all that. This is like a double Thanksgiving for you. Exactly. I'm very thankful to review this movie. <laughs> so, budget, $178 million. Box office, $543.9 million. So, not bad. $365.9 million profit. That's $454.3 million for the inflation. So, it puts it right above the mask and right below uh, Ninja Turtles 2014. Um, so, good, I mean, it beat, uh, you know, X-Men Origins Wolverine, it beat X-Men 2000, it beat X-Men First Class, but, um, yeah, kind of a drop from future, Days of Future Past, so that's probably a little concerning, but, mm-hmm. and then, I would guess word of mouth probably prevented yeah. it from getting higher than that movie. Yeah, the same friend, I remember, um. When he saw it, he posted on Facebook. He just said, X-Meh. <laughs> and, uh, 
Which brings me to the critics and fans. Critics, 47%. Fans, 65%. Ooh, not even, not even close to a scoregami. No. Fans, I don't know. I... Hey, real quick. We did all see this in theaters, though? Yes. Yeah. So watch Agami. Yeah, for yeah. sure. There you go. Nah. And uh, guess what? Now we we got the cast. All right. It's a big cast. Um. Well, let's see. Can we all just agree Olivia Munn as Psylocke was like completely a waste of time? Yes, okay. absolutely. I'll, I'll say she looked great for a comic book character. Like she looked the part, but yeah, she's not very good. Yeah, she looked the part, did nothing in the movie. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> let's cover the new characters mostly. So we got uh, we got the debut of Jean Grey with uh, Sophie Turner taking over the role, old Sansa Stark transitioning to uh, a psychic. So how do we think of uh, old Jean Grey, the new Jean Grey, the old new Jean Grey? Uh, I'll she, say... Sh- go ahead, Caleb. She played the role of a troubled uh, young adult pretty well. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, without going into spoilers for the next film, uh, I'll say she is more passable in this one than that one. <laughs> I mean, I thought she was fine. Again, it's um, I was I was just disappointed that we were that we that they felt the need to go back to do another prequel to like, well, we now we need to see how Jean Grey and Cyclops get added to the X Men. It's like, do we? I don't know. Like, I would have just done... If you're going to do another prequel that takes place in the 80s, just go off the Cold War and have Omega Red as the villain. And then do this as uh, the final villain with the original cast. But, yeah, Sophie Turner was was fine. Uh, She looked the part, I guess. But, eh. I never... uh, I feel like Femika Jansen was the better Jean Grey. 100%, yeah. Yes, I would agree. And we have uh, Ty Sheridan as Scott Summers, Cyclops. Um, well, first of all, they never do they never do Cyclops justice ever, so um, I don't think that really changed with this origin story of this character. But he was all right. He's okay. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I prefer James Marsden. Uh, yeah, as like a young Cyclops, he looks like a young James Marsden, so I guess that works. Yeah. but eh, just uh, not you know, not a, the the whole theme of this movie is not enough character development for most people. So mm-hmm. it's just bloated. It's overbloated with everything. Yeah, there's a lot Including of people. The cast. Yeah, there's a lot of people, and there's not really a focus on anyone. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, well, we have, I only have to add, because uh, Jennifer Lawrence's Raven Mystique, who uh, really phoned it in this movie, and Mm -hmm. felt like, it felt like in her contract, she refused to sit for like the eight to ten hours it probably takes to put on the makeup, so she's like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it just this many times, and I mean, they did at least explain why she would stay in her human form, but it still felt like, 
Yeah, it still felt like she did not want to sit in that makeup chair for that long. <laughs> yeah, her um, her performances in this series, I think, in my opinion, they get progressively worse as she got bigger as a movie star. I feel like her she kind of phoned it in more and more each movie. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's fair. Uh, let's see, Alexandra Alexandra Ship as Storm. I mean, another wasted character. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but hey, at least she looks better than that dog, Halle Berry. <laughs> yeah, wolf, right? Wolf. <laughs> Never going to get over the Catwoman. <laughs> yeah, get it? She's a cat. <laughs> um, let's see. How about uh, James McAvoy as Professor X? <laughs> I mean, besides besides Michael Fassbender, James McAvoy is like a highlight of the of these new movies. Yeah, yeah I'd I say in that in that order, I'd go Fassbender, McAvoy. You know, the kind of they're kind of the saving graces of the movies every single time. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think uh, you know, without going to spoilers, the next movie for sure, you could say they did all the heavy lifting. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, See, so yeah, I liked him, especially in the uh, his fight, well, kind of a fight with Apocalypse. I thought he was pretty cool with that. Um, and then we'll get hey. to uh, Michael Fassbender as Magneto, probably the highlight of the movie for for myself and both of you. I, yeah, yeah. I think probably out of if, if there's like ten highlights in the movie, he's probably got six or seven of them. Like he's like the high points and. High- like the most critically acclaimed scenes and, you know, the best actual acting in the movie. I feel like it was mostly with him. Mm-hmm. And now the main event, the namesake of the movie. Yes. Oscar Isaac as Apocalypse. I will hey, go did last. You know, <laughs> did, did you know Oscar Isaac is uh, six foot tall? Uh, he's not even that. No, guys, he's six foot tall. Come on. Him, him and Adam Cole, Adam Cole, both six feet tall. Come on, guys. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't buy that one. No, no, he was five nine. I'm like, holy crap! I'm literally taller than the guy that got to play Apocalypse. (laughs) Honestly, he looks like the what was the name of the villain in the Power Ranger movie? Rita Repulsa. No, the the purple guy. Oh, Ivan Ooze. Ivan Ooze. Yeah. Honestly, I thought I was watching Ivan Ooze. He did kind of look like Ivan Ooze. <laughs> Teenagers. So, uh, I mean, we, we were talking about it in our group chat. Uh, Dark Knight Rises did a good job of disguising Tom Hardy's height. Uh, they're both 5'9". Yeah. But, like, when you watch Dark Knight Rises, you wouldn't know Bane is 5'9". You'd think he's, like, 6'3". And oscar isaac as apocalypse they do not do a good job of hiding his height and not to be all vince mcmahon but like i think if you're gonna be apocalypse and you're supposed to bring about the end of the world you should at least be six feet tall and of course they make him grow but only in like a in charles's mind which that's one of apocalypse's powers that they never use his powers are very loosely defined in this movie and in the comics, for that matter. I mean, he does a lot of different things, but uh, yeah, the you know, re- just film it. 
dude, film it at angles, even. Like, speaking of, uh, we reviewed Warrior a year ago, and Kurt Angle was in that. Um, yeah. As, like, he's supposed to be the big Russian guy and everything. He's supposed to be, like, super tall, and, like, we know how tall Kurt Angle is. And their solution was, like, okay, lifts in the boots and shoot at an angle. And they made Kurt Angle look, like, menacing. Mm-hmm. So why couldn't X-Men do the exact same thing? Well, I um, I would have recast him. I will say... Th- okay, so the reason I was looking forward to this movie so much... I've mentioned on Dark Knight Rises, Bane's my favorite DC villain. Apocalypse is my favorite comic villain across all comics. Like, to me, I, I just... I love the character. I... Really loved him in the uh, the cartoon. I had his figure. Um, I've read a lot of his uh, his, his uh, graphic novels and everything, comics. So I'm a huge Apocalypse fan. And they got this character so wrong. Like, Oscar Isaac played him. I kept thinking, like, what? How did, he, he reminded me of, like, almost like Dracula. Where it's like he's this dark, brooding, mysterious figure who thinks he's still better than everyone, but he's also like not very loud and boastful. And it's like that's not Apocalypse at all. Like Apocalypse is supposed to be this super loud character with a god complex who says like ridiculous things. Like um, I was listening last night some of his good lines from the cartoon. It was like. It was something like, you're no closer to killing me than the Babylonians with their swords and fire sticks. It's a great line. Um, Like, I'm the rocks upon the shore, crash against me and be broken. Another great line. He doesn't have anything like that in this movie. Uh, Like, he'll just constantly have inner dial. Like, he'll talk to himself constantly about, like, am I too powerful? Should I show mercy? Like, what am I even doing with this for? And... Uh, he has like a serious god complex, you know. In in the animated show, Charles said he was driven mad by his own power, and it's like that's cool, but none of that comes across here. And if it were up to me, uh, we would have recast Apocalypse, so we wouldn't even have to use camera angles. Um, so I would have a um, I'd have a a a body actor and then a voice actor. So, the body, we would do similar to Thanos, where we would have an actor, but he would wear, you know, the motion capture suit and all that. And for that actor, I chose Dave Bautista. His head is already shaped like Apocalypse. It's nice and round, (laughs) so that works. And he's, you know, he's like 6'3", 6'4", so he's a big guy, muscular. That's exactly what I'm looking for. And for my voice, I want uh, Stacey Keach, who was... uh, did a Sin City Dame to Kill for. Iconic, deep voice. Unfortunately, the uh, John, I think it's Kalikos, who did the uh, voice for Apocalypse um, in the cartoon, had already passed away. But, yeah, I need an iconic voice and a just a big dude to play the role. And, uh, to me, Oscar Isaac was in it. And I like Oscar Isaac. He was a good Moon Knight. He was good in Ex Machina. But this is, this was not a so it's not the role for him. He's I mean, a good actor in general. But yeah, yeah but yeah, this, this is not what I would have cast him as at all. Like I read an interview by him also saying he hated like the process and it was just miserable. 
Like, he kind of regrets even doing it. Yeah. And the look itself, it's like, this is not even what Apocalypse looks like. I mean, it's just... Horrible. Again, he was short. He was blue. Like, Apocalypse isn't... I mean, some, I guess, versions of him is blue. But, like, he has blue lines on his face. But he's more gray, really, I think. And his suit is blue. And, like... I don't, again, I don't know what the powers were that he had in this movie. It was like he was psychic and he could uh, heal and he could, uh, I don't know, put people into the walls, I guess. But, like, it's not really his power in the comics. Again, they're kind of vague about it. But, uh, I mean, the main thing is his, he's like genius level intellect and his suit just kind of adapts to whatever he wants it to be. So, like, if he wants to grow really big, he can do that. If he wants his arm to turn into a shield, he can do that. If he wants his hand to turn into a giant hand and crush someone, he can do that. And if he wants it to turn into a big gun, he can do that. So, he's supposed to be a Thanos-level villain, and he just came off as, like, just a villain in this movie. And that's disappointing. And it's like... And, again, not a prequel, technically, but still felt like one, so... I don't know. I mean, we've talked about prequel villains. I thought uh, Sebastian Shaw was good prequel villain. Um, I thought Silver Sam. Sebastian Shaw is better than him. Oh, definitely. And, like, (laughs) not a prequel, but, like, a side villain. Uh, Silver Samurai was a good side movie villain. Uh, Boulevard Trask was a good prequel villain. Like, Apocalypse is not a prequel villain. Like, we just watched... uh, was it Civil War? Imagine if like Thanos was just the villain in that, and then he just gets killed <laughs> at the end. It's like, whoop, that was like, what the what the hell? What the hell? Yeah. I mean, like, Dude, I was uh, gonna say, uh, what's his name? Brian Cox in X Two was a better villain than uh, Apocalypse was in this. He was a more interesting villain. Yeah, and like going back to what I mentioned about the Green Ranger, like I just because they showed like Jean Grey having like a vision of the end of the world. At no point did I ever think that this dude was ever going to win in this movie. Like, Mm-mm. and, uh, yeah, that's, I, you know, if it was up to me, I might even do a two-part movie. Yeah. But if that's not possible, I would have done better. And uh, we'll even have a little surprise at the end of the show. So I went uh, I went all out in preparation for this episode. Can't, uh, can't let the... The biggest, most excited I've been just uh, be any normal episode. It's got to be a big deal. So I guess we can dive into the plot. Let's do it. Well, we open in 3600 BC in the Nile Valley. All the Egyptians are worshipping someone named En-Sabah-Nur. And he's he's an older-looking blue man. Right off the bat, it's like, eh, wrong. (laughs) And he enters into this temple, and there's another mutant. He's got healing ability, like Wolverine. And they perform this ritual where the spirit, or his conscience, or whatever, is transferred. Or, or I guess, Ensabanur's conscience is transferred into them, so now he has the healing ability and he can live forever. Okay, I mean, fine. That's not a terrible uh, ability he has, but... Uh, Should have put it in a... Uh... And a good guy doll. That would have been better. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't... He, he 
normally just sleeps for like a thousand years. I don't remember him transferring his conscience to other people, but <laughs> I haven't read every apocalypse story. I'll, I'll admit. Uh, but then there's like an ambush and some random soldiers break out these giant stones, which knock some columns over and the pyramids destroyed and ends Sabanur and his four henchmen are buried inside the pyramid deep in the earth. All right. When we cut to the eighties, hmm. And uh, young Scott Summers is in class, learning about the mutant incident we saw from Days of Future Past. And there's something wrong with his eyes, and he ducks out into the bathroom when a bully follows him. The bully bangs on the door for like ten minutes, and then Scott's powers activate and blasts the bully. So, that was, this is fine. Yeah, it's a nice introduction. Yeah. And we cut to East Berlin when Mystique shows up, and uh, I wrote, boy, does she show up. <laughs> it was at a underground fight club where Angel beats Blob, and next he's going to fight Nightcrawler. And I was like, all right, pause. Here's a problem I have with this movie. Uh, other than getting Apocalypse wrong, there's a lot else wrong with the movie. Again, the timeline I understand is different. And I could even understand, I, I could accept the fact that in an alternate timeline, that maybe the X-Men meet Nightcrawler, you know, 10, 15 years earlier instead of a church after his assassination attempt on the president. What I can't accept is that Angel is now, who we saw in X3, is now like born 10 to 15 years earlier. Like, no, that <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Like, get your timeline together, please. So, yeah. That was, and didn't uh, uh, didn't Sabretooth kill Blob? <laughs> well, he, he did in the other timeline. Uh, it was applied. It was implied that happened. Yeah, yeah, he, he killed him in the other timeline, and in the other timeline, Blob also was just a normal skinny guy, and then he had an eating problem, and then got fat. Because remember, was, he started off yeah, as I, like just a thick guy, and then he, he got fat because he ate. Yeah. These 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 timelines are way too confusing. Yeah, this is. Uh... It's not like Halloween bad, but it's like it's it's not good. Yeah, I mean, this is what happens when you. Um, this is what don't happens care. when you yeah don't care or you don't plan ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, look, just start the damn movie after Days of Future Past. Like, it's not that hard. Yeah, that would have been a way to go. That's kind of how I thought they were going to go. Instead, that that, uh, story thread is just over. Like, I don't know what happened to it. Wolverine just wakes up in the mansion, and it's like, okay, done. (laughs) Like, we we did that for fan service. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Now we're going back in time again. It's like we retconned uh, X3, which everyone hated, and uh, it's like, cool. Now move forward (laughs) with the old original cast. No. Yeah, all your favorites are alive and happy and doing well, but <laughs> and they're about to battle apocalypse. But no, we're just gonna retcon. It's like we retconned X three <laughs> for no reason. It's basically what they did. Yeah. This movie kind of makes Days of Future Past pointless when you think about it. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, Mystique frees the mutants from this electrified cage and grabs Nightcrawler and leaves. And then we cut to Poland, Poland, where Magneto works in a steel mill. He's got this perfect life where nothing could go wrong. 
and he lives in a nice house in the country. He's married. He's got a daughter um, who apparently has a mutant power to talk to animals. He hasn't aged at all in 20 years, so it's going good for Magneto. <laughs> back in America. Henrik. Yeah, Henrik, sorry. Uh, back in America, Havoc, Scott's older brother, takes uh, takes him to Xavier's school. Uh, meanwhile, there's like a bump. They bump into Jean Grey, and uh, Scott meets Charles. Scott shows Charles his power and blasts his favorite tree in half. So, sad. Then we. Uh, we cut to Cairo, Egypt. Old Moira McTaggart finds a secret underground room, which is the burial site of En Sabah Nur, and a bunch of people are praying to him, which I guess awakens him or something, and he breaks free. Back in Poland, one of Eric's co-workers gets crushed by this large piece of metal, and he helps him, and everybody's like, ooh, what was that? Is he a mutant? So... Back at the mansion, Jean is having a nightmare. Charles reads her mind and sees the end of the world. This was about the extent of the danger of apocalypse. <laughs> and when she wakes up, she foreshadows about how she's afraid one day she'll hurt someone. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I know. Hank then tells Charles he thinks what caused Jean's dream was a tremor that took place halfway around the world. So they load up Cerebro and Charles sees Moira... Hank says, what's she doing? And Charles says, well, she looks amazing, barely aged a day. Which it's like, I know, it's crazy how no one aged 20 years in a 20-year time span. <laughs> um, yeah, I, did no one think of that? Like, seriously, like, first class took place, first class and, uh, you know, Days of Future Past, it was 60s and 70s, and then this was the 80s, but, like, everyone looks yeah. the same as they did in first class. And they advance a decade each movie. Yeah, but they look the same. But Ooh. no one thinks of this. <laughs> so back in Poland, some soldiers have taken Eric's daughter because they discovered he's Magneto, based on him saying what you know, saving his coworker. They arrest him, and he's being handcuffed. We this is where the daughter gets all the birds to attack the guards, and one of them accidentally fire, fires an arrow into her, who is she's hugging the mom, so it kills both of them. Oh my god. Yeah, kind of a perfect shot, I guess. <laughs> yeah. The uh, magic uh, magic arrow, for sure. See, if that happened to Wolverine, he would have got on his knees and just let out a big no. I'm glad we didn't get a no. This I would have taken no another screen. point off for this. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, these, uh, these characters, which existed to be killed off, uh, make Eric really mad, and he takes the locket that he gave his daughter... And he sends it through the necks of all the soldiers, which was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it was cooler than the coin in first class. No, that was way more awesome. Um, yeah. But it was, you know, this is kind of a callback to that. Mm-hmm. So, En Sabah Nur is now wandering the streets of Egypt like a home, like a hobo, and he sees a young Storm. Storm steals something, gets caught, but. And Sabanur saves her by killing the men chasing her and then molding one of them to the wall, I guess. I don't know. Question I don't know. Like I said, I'm a f- huge fan of Apocalypse. I don't remember this being one of his powers. <laughs> they really took it like liberally when they said, oh, he's the original mutant. Let's just give him any power he needs for the moment. Yeah, like I don't remember that at all. Just... <laughs> His mo- his powers mostly was from the suit. 
Like, like I yeah. said, his suit can do whatever he wants. So it's like, um, what was the movie? Terminator Three, which sucked, but like the robot in that movie could turn into whatever machine she wanted, like any gun. But she was pretty hot too. She was. The movie was terrible, but uh, yeah. I mean, the, she was no Sharon Stone, but you know, no. But who is? Definitely not Maureen Prescott. Hey, you. But that's essentially what his powers are, and we got none of that. Anyway, Charles visits Moira. She doesn't remember him because he did wipe her mind in first class. And she tells Yeah, Char- like Superman. Yeah, Superman. Right. He pulled a Superman 2 on her. That's right. So she tells Charles all about Egypt and how Ensabah Noor was the first mutant where he could transfer the powers into him. And she also says, whenever, wherever he went, he always had four disciples, the four horsemen, and then they call him Apocalypse. And back in Egypt, Apocalypse touches a TV, downloads all the history of the world through satellites, and I... Look, if the internet existed at this time, I would buy that. If this were, if this ability were possible, I would buy that with the internet. There was no internet. So how is he learning the history of the satellites? It's not like... The, the TV programs and the news are saved somewhere on some massive server. It's beamed into your TV, and if you missed it, too bad. <laughs> right. Like, I don't know. Whatever. But uh, that's how he learned, and it sucked. Um, Apocalypse then says the world needs cleansed, which uh, at least they got that part right. But he upgrades Storm's powers, which gives her silver hair. Sure. And then uh, we cut to Mystique. Oh, but Storm's also a big Mystique fan. So. I mean, who isn't, right? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, apparently. Oh. <laughs> then we cut to Mystique, who's with someone named Caliban, who's setting Nightcrawler up with a fake ID. Uh, it's worth noting, Caliban has someone on his team named Psylocke, so, you know, hmm. who looks familiar like Aaron Rodgers' ex-girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back at the mansion, Hank hooks up Scott with uh, these new glasses that control his eye blast, so that was cool. Uh, Mystique then drops off Nightcrawler at the mansion. He's an, he's an X-Men now. Yeah. At least they got Nightcrawler, like they made him younger. Like, from Nightcrawler in this to Nightcrawler in X2, like, yeah, he looks like he aged, but no one else got the same treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Storm and Apocalypse visit Caliban, and they're looking for a strong mutant. Caliban pulls a gun on him. It disintegrates. Psylocke seems interested in joining him, uh, so Apocalypse upgrades her. I don't know what he did, but he did something. And back at the mansion, Nightcrawler is meeting the students, and we meet Jubilee, who's supposed to be a teenager in the 90s, but whatever. Uh, Anyway, Apocalypse... Storm and Psylocke find Angel. He's drunk. Apocalypse upgrades Angel into Archangel, gives him steel wings. Uh, I guess that was kind of cool. I don't know. I don't. I'm still not down with Storm as a horseman. That. I. I mean, I know she did in like the her and Magneto. I think were in the Evolution cartoon, but I don't think of them as ex uh, Apocalypse's horsemen. But no, I don't know. He's had a lot of horsemen. Even Hulk. Hulk was a horseman once. But uh, I think. What about? I didn't know. 
I didn't know Hulk Hogan was in the NWA, Eddie. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, oh my God. Damn it, Josh. <laughs> what? You just stepped on my Jeff Jarrett joke. Well, everybody knows Jeff Jarrett wasn't a horseman. Except yeah. for Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> but uh, I think Marvel would have had a problem if they, they made Hulk a horseman in this movie. But I <laughs> Yeah, I think so. And Gambit was Maybe a Edward, horseman. Ed, but... Edward Norton Hulk. I prefer just the nameless horseman personally. The, uh, you know, like the one lady, uh, pestilence where she just touches things and they die. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, they're just mostly just nameless, like random moves. So I'd prefer that to this, honestly, even though, I mean, I don't know. Anyway, back at the mansion, Mystique tells Hank she thinks Eric is in trouble. We then cut to Eric, who goes back to work and tells all his coworkers, uh, this was a good scene, uh, he says, think of your loved ones and think about how they'll never see you again. And then one co-worker's like, Henrik, please. He says, my name isn't Henrik, it's Magneto. And then Apocalypse and his crew show up. Magneto drops the one allowed F-bomb in a PG-13 movie. And Magneto's like, don't try to stop me from killing these men. And <laughs> even though this isn't really one of his powers, I thought this was funny. All the men just kind of like sink into the floor. <laughs> I, I laughed at that. That was pretty good. Put him right in the sunken place, like it was get out. Yeah, he's like, I don't care if they're dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like that. And then uh, Apocalypse upgrades Magneto, where he'll be able to suck the metal from the ground, and then the buildings start to crumble around him. He takes him to, like, Auschwitz, and they do that, and he crumbles all of the buildings there. Eh, I, whatever, I don't... <laughs> It seems like Magneto and Angel were the only ones who actually got upgraded, though. Like, Storm just got silver hair, and Psylocke, we don't even know, because she gets no character development. But. Did her, like, uh, sword or whatever, did that get, like, weaponized? Like, part of her power, maybe? I don't know. Besides um, that, I don't, I don't know. She had the weapon before, yeah. but I don't know. And then we cut to Quicksilver, where he and his mom, he, Quicksilver hasn't aged at all either. Good for him. And he's talking about Magneto being his dad. Cut to the students leaving Return of the Jedi when Gene says, at least we can all agree the third one is always the worst. Ha ha ha. Little did they Get know. It? It's a shot at X3, but right. <laughs> the problem is when you can apply that same joke to the movie that's making the joke, it's a pretty big cell phone. <laughs> It's like, well, this is kind of the worst of the three so far. Like, First Class and Days of Future Past are far superior, so. Yes. Anyway. Also, Return of the Jedi I thought was good. but Back at the mansion, Charles meets Mystique, and he learns that she's afraid. That's why she's not in her blue form. I personally think Jennifer Lawrence just didn't want to do the six to eight hours of makeup time. Mm-hmm. And at least they explained it, though. But, uh... She tells Charles that Magneto's wife and kid were killed. And Charles is like, I know, they that's how they were written. <laughs> <laughs> we just introduced them to kill them. So Charles uses Cerebro to locate Magneto, tells him he can help him, but Magneto says they took everything from me, now we'll take everything from them. Apocalypse kind of clocks this, that Magneto's talking to some rando, and he taps into Cerebro. And he connects with all of their minds and links to everyone's mind. And he launches all the nuclear missiles. And everyone, including Stan Lee and his wife, Joan Lee, got a cameo from her. 
kind of nice. And they all see uh, the missiles go into space, and they just blow up, and that's it. Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thought we were going to launch the missiles at the countries, but I guess we're just going to disarm them. No apocalypse here today, apparently. No. It's like, your name's Apocalypse, and you're like, well, let's get rid of all the nuclear weapons. (laughs) It's much easier to cleanse the entire Earth without them. Yeah. Well, the thing, the difference between Magneto and Apocalypse, Magneto is more, let's kill all the humans. Apocalypse is like, I'm so much better than mutants, let's kill everyone, and I'm in charge. Mm -hmm. But they didn't really give him a motive in this movie. It's just like, oh, let's cleanse the world. So, Charles has uh, Havoc destroy Cerebro to break the connection. He wreaked uh, Havoc. Yeah, he did. I guess that was kind of a decent scene. Then, uh, as they leave Cerebro, Apocalypse shows up. He takes Charles. Havoc blasts at them, but they teleport away. The blast goes into the garage, hits the, I guess, the Blackbird's fuel tank is what I gathered. I think so. Yeah. why, by the way, why did Hank introduce Mystique to the Blackbird? It's like we'd already seen this in previous movies. <laughs> like, like, hey, look at this. Like, yeah, we've seen it. Uh, anyway, we probably get the best scene in the movie where uh, Quicksilver shows up. We get the uh, scene where Quicksilver is moving at normal speed where everything is in slow motion. He's saving everyone from the blast as Sweet Dreams plays. That was pretty great. And... Uh, I didn't even mind that they were doing like the same gag from the last movie because it's a great scene and they upgraded it, so that's what uh, it should be. I think it is better than the first one. Like, yeah, I, I o- do too. overall. Yeah, but he didn't save everyone. He thought he did, but uh, Havoc was killed in the blast. Caleb, you want to say it? R.I.P. to a real one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, who's ready for a story drop? William Stryker and soldiers just show up, and they use this special sonic blast to knock all the mutants out. They take Moira, Mystique, Quicksilver, and Hank. Jean, Scott, and Nightcrawler hide, and she uses like uh, her mind powers to just make them invisible. And they hide inside one of the helicopters. The helicopters take them to the dam at Alkali Lake. We are really deviating from the movie here, but... Back with Charles, Apocalypse, and the Horsemen. Apocalypse is blocking Charles's power, but he is very intrigued by the power. And this is... I don't... Yeah, I don't know. Apocalypse at least always had a fascination with psychics, so I guess they at least got that right. Uh, Charles tries to talk to Magneto out of this, but he's not having it. He wants Charles to send a message to everyone. And back at the dam, Stryker questions Moira about... The psychic event which disarmed every country. She says it's someone more powerful than Charles, but they don't believe her. Stryker leaves, and Quicksilver asks Mystique about Magneto and tells her that that's his father. Then the professor cuts in, talks to everyone in the world, and tells them that the Day of Reckoning is here. Those with the greatest power, the Earth will be yours. Except, Charles says, protect those without. And that's my message to the world. So he he uh, he turned on Apocalypse there. He also slid into Jean's DMs and sent her a private message about his location. He sure did. Apocalypse really dropped the ball with this one. Yeah. <laughs> he should, like, he should have just killed Charles right then and there. Like, okay, well. I would have sent a message. 
Yeah. So Gene Scott and Nightcrawler go into the generator room. There's like this big metal box with someone inside. And they open up the crate when the guards come in. And it's uh, fan service Weapon X. <laughs> He's, uh, hey, I thought I thought Mac, or Wolverine was like free by Mystique at the end of Days of Future Past. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I, in my notes I wrote, I'm sure I'm glad Mystique turned him into Striker. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's apparently what happened. I don't, again, why they had Striker's eyes glow at the end. It's like a twist for the sake of a twist that made no sense. Yeah, it's that's something that they just completely overlooked, basically. Yeah, I, I guess Mystique just turned him over to Striker. That's the only logical explanation. But, anyway, yeah, it's Wolverine, he's wearing the Weapon X helmet, fan service. It's a pretty cool scene, though. He uh, he kills a bunch of people, we get a lot of blood splatter, so that was neat. And then, uh, before he leaves, Jean touches his head, and she says, I gave him back what memories that I could. And um, Hugh Jackman leaves, and he's like, well, that'll be $500,000, thank you. <laughs> yeah, there's a creepy stare down between a 40-year-old <laughs> Hugh Jackman... And Jean Grey. This felt like uh, Hugh Jackman's in like a glass case, and it's like in case of emergency, break glass. And it's like, <laughs> God, we need something in this movie. Like, what about Weapon X? Like, okay, cool. He didn't even talk to the movie. He was like the fourth best character. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I hope we never meet him again. Ha ha. <laughs> so, we're back in Cairo. Apocalypse, uh... Basically destroys it, except a pyramid. And he gives Magneto a new helmet. And Magneto sucking all of the metal from the Earth and causing all sorts of havoc, including ugly CGI shipping containers to fly around. And, uh, hand up. I said this area is peak CGI. This is the exception. <laughs> uh, on the way there, Gene is told via Charles, the plan is for Apocalypse to absorb Professor's power so that he'll be able to control every mind in the world. Whatever. We're just far away. We're so far away from what Apocalypse should be at this point. Uh, X-Men show up and Quicksilver and Mystique confront Magneto. As Apocalypse starts uh, the transfer process with Charles, gets some battling on the outside of the pyramid with Psylocke using a laser whip, cause, uh, which I don't ever remember her using, but you know, Wonder Woman just came out. so uh, Back with... Uh, Back with Quicksilver and Mystique. Mystique is talking to Magneto about family and Quicksilver, despite having the perfect opportunity, just doesn't say, I'm your son. Why? Like, it was like a bunch of build-up for nothing. It's Dolly. Yeah, he's ruining my podcast. But yeah, what was this build-up for? Like, they didn't even pay off. I'm fighting for my family, too. What's the old trope in wrestling? Like you gotta strike when you gotta you gotta know when to when when to pull the trigger on a title change or a heel turn or something, and mm-hmm. you can't let it go for too long or else people lose interest. Exactly. So back in the pyramid, the uh, transfer causes Charles's hair to fall out. because uh, I guess well, that needed an origin. That was one way to get there, huh? Yeah. I don't know it why should have, it could have just been as simple as like Charles is like, no, I'm starting to go thin up top and I wanted to shave. Maybe Charles was a big Michael Jordan fan and got inspiration from that. Could have been. 
Yeah, why why does that need an origin? Why can't it just be I'm an older man and sometimes men lose their hair? Yeah, I never needed an explanation for a man to be bold. Mm. <laughs> well, you got one. So they <laughs> Yeah, they uh anyway, Nightcrawler ends up saving him, the transfer fails. They escape with the professor, hop back on a jet, ready to leave when Apocalypse wakes up. Archangel boards the jet. Nightcrawler teleports them all out. The jet crashes, killing Angel. So, R.I.P. to a lousy one. Yeah. Uh, Psylocke. Sur- yeah, Psylocke does survive. Uh, Mystique then finishes her pep talk to Magneto. <laughs> Apocalypse sees Angel's dead, and he's like, uh, useless. <laughs> uh, Storm sees this, and I guess it makes her sad, and she's like, mm, maybe I shouldn't have a face turn. Uh, Anyway, Quicksilver fights Apocalypse, and it's going okay until Apocalypse breaks his leg, which kind of nullifies his power. Yeah. Uh, Apocalypse tells Psylocke to kill Quicksilver, but she strikes him instead because it's Mystique. But, like, how could Apocalypse not see that? Like, Yeah. Stupid. So Storm sees Mystique, and she's a big Mystique fangirl, so this is where she switches sides. Apocalypse has Mystique by the throat and tells him to show himself. Charles Which, realizes... Which, by the way, that was a huge point of controversy. Was it? Um, because I think it was featured on posters, and like there was a big backlash for that. Like, why are we so heavily advertising man-on-woman violence? Well, hmm. it's, it's Apocalypse. He's a villain. <laughs> I'm just He's an e- yeah, equal opportunity abuser. Yeah. Yeah, equal opportunity ass-kicking, as they would say on Lucha Underground. <laughs> well, Charles realizes he's still connected to Apocalypse, enters his mind, he starts beating him up inside his mind, then Apocalypse grows in size for the, uh, basically a shot for the trailer to make people think he might actually do this other times, but no. And he just tosses Charles around in his mind. Honestly, yes. that, that part where he grows, it reminds me of the movie, uh, it? Did you guys see that one? It? Yes. I he do. Gro- grows I just and scares thought, the kids. Yeah, yeah, I just thought about that actually. Ugh. Like, why didn't they start? Why didn't they just start bullying Apocalypse? Collecting. Yeah. <laughs> Apocalypse is screaming at yeah, screaming at uh, Charles like, "I know your dirty secret, Charles." Yeah, and Charles <laughs> is like, "You're just a clown. You're just a little clown, baby." I'm, I'm not. I'm not real enough for you, Charles. This isn't scary enough. <laughs> well Magneto then God. shows up he makes uh, a big X with steel beams and he just hurls like a bunch of metal at Apocalypse I did like that part yes the steel beam part that was cool it's like ah oh, shit Mag- Magneto's on our side now and yeah but like, here's the thing Apocalypse didn't he counter with some jet fuel <laughs> <laughs> well he countered with a force fuel none of this metal did anything to him no He's too strong for all of them, and then Charles tells Jean to unleash your power, and she does, and a big fiery phoenix appears behind her, which makes no sense given that she gets her powers from an alien force in the next movie, but okay. Uh-huh. Who cares about the timeline anymore at this point? Anyway, she just blasts the People haven't aged in two decades Yeah. already. Who cares about the timeline? Yeah. yeah. She, she blasts Apocalypse, and he dies fairly easily. So... Yeah, the the guy that can't be killed just got killed. Um, yeah. I feel like in the cartoon they never even killed him. It was more... I think the... 
He got. Uh, I feel like the the best they ever got on him was they used his ship against him and trapped him in like a force field, and then just locked it. And they're like, "Okay, see ya," and then left. <laughs> he didn't get killed. He got neutralized. Yeah, like you can't kill him, but apparently Phoenix can. Sure. Uh, Jean then revives Charles, and Charles lifts the memory block from Moira, so she remembers all the stuff with them on the beach. And we see some news footage that Moira told everyone Magneto helped defeat Apocalypse. So Magneto, who caused trillions of dollars in property damage and probably killed millions of people, it's okay. He helped kill Apocalypse. He's a hero now. Yeah. No repercussion. No. So, back at the mansion. Hey, Magneto did not sign the Sokovia Accords. Okay? That's That's true. That's true. But, um, also Storm is, Storm and Night, uh, Quicksilver... Tells he's like, oh, I might tell uh, Magneto one day that uh, I'm his son, but it's like, dude, you missed it. It's no one cares now. What if what if he finally did? Magneto's like, I knew all along. <laughs> he's like, ah, I hate you. <laughs> yes, yes, buddy, I'm well aware that you're my kid. I just didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so great. I missed my daughter, not you. Yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway, Quicksilver and Storm, they decide they're going to stick around at the mansion. No punishment for her either, I guess. And Psylocke, uh, I think she just kind of slumped away during the end. So, whatever. Mm. An, an appropriate ending for a character that was a big nothing. <laughs> she went on to uh, go research uh, Predators. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Mystique fires up the danger room. She's giving, like, this pep talk. She's like, everything you've experienced is nothing compared to the Sentinels. It's like, so Apocalypse is, like, they killed Apocalypse, but, like, we, watch we, out we for fought, the Sentinels. Yeah, we fought Apocalypse, dude. Like, It just makes him downgrade him even more. Yeah. Well, world credits, but there's a post credit scene, and boy, is it a big nothing. Oh, yeah, big big doozy here. Back at the dam, there's a bunch of people cleaning up all the bullets and dead bodies. And a man walks in with a briefcase, grabs a blood vial of Weapon X, puts it in the briefcase, and we look at the briefcase, and it says Essex Corp. Wow. Can't wait for Mr. Sinister in the next movie. He's definitely showing up. Oh, I'm sure. Very excited. <laughs> I mean, talk about not paying attention to the other movies. I, We've never... We've had some Marvel end credit scenes where it's like there's it's like what was the one uh, was it Iron Man two where yeah. um, Sam Rockwell or t- was one was like Tony was just talking to uh you know uh, Hulk or Bruce Banner and he's like I'm not really that kind of Doctor Bruce or uh, oh, Tony yeah and he's it's a like psychiatrist too yeah he was just it wasn't it didn't pay off it was just a joke right. but. You know, every Marvel scene, post-credit scene, has at least built to something, and this one I think is the first one where it's like, no, we're just gonna completely ignore it. <laughs> uh, an appropriate ending for this, uh, yeah, and that's uh, that's the movie. That is. Do we want to grade it first, or do we want to do our little? fan fiction i think we can grade it first okay this was a 
steaming pile of nothing. <laughs> and I'm going to be gracious and give it a 4 out of 10. All right. Uh, I feel like I've been shitting on this movie the whole time, but I still don't completely hate it. Um, does have some good. Be a little bit more generous. I'm going to go 5 out of 10. All right. So, this is absolutely the most disappointing movie I've ever seen in a theater. I knew it was going to be not great when I heard it was in the 80s. And uh, I was hopeful, but uh, no. It's it's not the worst movie I've seen, and it's far from the worst movie we'll review on the podcast. But it is the most disappointing. To go from where I thought we would go to this, it was a, a big letdown. And I'm going to have to give it a 3 out of 10. <laughs> now you might be wondering, you might say, well, Eddie, I thought on the podcast you always say you don't complain without offering a solution, how you would make it better. Well, I've done just that. And for the first and only time, I have created an introduction to how I would do the X-Men Apocalypse movie. I'm not going to write the whole movie. I mean, you can send me money and I will, but yeah, um, kind of lays the groundwork so you can kind of see where everything's headed. Yeah. And, of course, I would use the original cast. This would pick up right where uh, Days of Future Past left off. I would have recast Apocalypse uh, with the two people I said. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have our, our parts in this. Uh, can I be the narrator? Are you sure you're going to do a good job? Absolutely, yeah. All right. Can I be Michael Scarn? I want to be Samuel L. Chang as well. Threat level midnight. Yes. Here we go. All right. Well, <coughs> we have we have the parts real quick. We have uh, Cyclops, uh, Beast, Wolverine, Forge. Um, let's see, Professor X. Gene, Apocalypse, and Mr. Sinister. Um, so, and then um, when we're done, I'll kind of just very briefly give kind of like what I, what what went through my mind when I created this, uh, other than being like the nerdiest thing I've ever done. But I yeah. do it for the listeners. So. Hey, it's been like two hours since we discussed this. Will you text me my parts again? I thought you wanted to be the narrator. I'm also going to be the narrator. Okay, so you were also, uh, you were the heels, you were Cyclops, and, uh, oh, you were also Gene. Cyclops, Gene, and... Sinister. There we go. All right. I'm going to get us started here. We open with Gene Grey on the ground, dead, as Wolverine looks on in horror. He looks back at Cyclops and charges him. Cyclops and Wolverine do battle. And in the battle, Wolverine slashes out one of Cyclops' eyes. Cyclops uses his remaining eye to blast off Wolverine's hand. Cyclops runs off. One year later. Cut to a shot of a bleak-looking, futuristic city, much like the opening shot of X-Men Days of Future Past. Mutants are walking single file and are collared and handcuffed with a chain connected to the collar in front of them. The future Sentinels watch from guard towers. We see Sugar Man running a mutant slave camp. Cut to Cyclops, riding a hover bike, zooms past the internment camp. He has long hair and one eye. 
he meets up with Beast, also on a hoverbike, whose hair is longer than usual, and he's got new mechanical legs. Are we sure they're pat- they're at this location? Positive. Good. I've been waiting for this. A block away in a high-rise building, Wolverine, who only has one hand, is reading some papers and is in and is with Forge in a lab. Forge is typing on a computer when Wolverine's head perks up. They're here. I can smell them. Forge grabs a gun. It was only a matter of time. An energy blast bursts through the door as Cyclops and Beast enter. There's a traitor to his people. There's the man who killed my wife. You killed her when she didn't buy into your sick shit. She'd be alive if she had, which is more than I can say for you. But first things first, I'm taking that other hand. A wolverine without his claws. That's funny, because I was thinking of taking that other eye. What do you suppose would happen to your powers without any eyes? Let's find out. Cyclops and Beast engage in a fight with Wolverine. During the fight, Beast is badly injured by Wolverine as Cyclops manages to kill Forge. Cyclops blasts Wolverine out the window of the building and lands several stories below. Wolverine slowly gets up, but knowing he can't beat Cyclops and Beast alone, he begrudgingly ducks off into an alley. Cyclops rushes to the window and doesn't see him. Damn it, he's gone. We got Forge. That ought to be the end of these time machine rumors. Are you going to make it? Tis a scratch, but ask me tomorrow and you shall find me a grave man. I'll load him up then. You take it easy, old man. Cyclops drops Forge into a coffin-like box attached to the side of his hoverbike. Before we go... Cyclops blasts a gas line in the room with his optic blast, then lights a match and tosses it in. Cyclops and Beast right away at the building. Behind them burns... And Wolverine looks on from an alley. Sorry, Forge. You were our last hope, and I failed you. Cyclops and Beast pull up to an ominous-looking building. Cyclops pulling the coffin behind They walk in, and it's a mausoleum. Other bounty hunters are there standing around, but Cyclops blows past them all. We finally got him. Cyclops presents the coffin to a human-sized sentinel. Cyclops. <laughs> it's Forge, the guy who may or may not have been building a time machine. Well, doesn't matter now. He won't finish it, even if he started it. The robot carves the name into the robot carves the name Forge into the coffin and pushes a few buttons on the coffin, sending it flying into one of the dark, cavernous halls, all lines with coffined coffins. The coffin slides into an open slot. Camera pans several aisles over, and we see six more coffins with the names Iceman, Rogue, Colossus, Storm, Professor X, and finally, Jean Grey. A mysterious figure who we can't quite see, but will be Mr. Sinister hands over a computerized tablet to a giant blue robotic hand belonging to Apocalypse. Three more high-profile targets killed today. Soon there will be none left except the bounty hunters themselves. Tablet screen shows photos of Gambit, Longshot, and Forge with the word deceased written over their face. Apocalypse begins to laugh maniacally, then stops. Do you feel that? Feel what? Leave me. Sinister leaves. Ah, yes, I know what this is, begins to snicker.
Yes, I sense you, Charles Xavier. You tried to change the future once, but you failed to realize I am all of reality. You should know I personally killed you, laughs maniacally. Cut to Charles waking up in a cold sweat as Jean Grey runs in. What the hell was that? At first, I thought a dream, but I don't know. Felt it from down the hall. I felt your psychic episodes before, but never like this. Gather the X-Men and meet me down in Cerebro, and as soon as possible, I fear something horrible is on the horizon. And, and we start the uh, opening credits. Yes. Yes. Now that is how you set up Apocalypse. So instead My of just for the stumbles, uh, I was reading off a of Twitter DM. It's okay. Um, on the Oklahoma education system. <laughs> yes. 47th in the state, baby, or the nation, rather. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, instead of just Gene seeing some burning buildings, it's like, no, we need to see how bad the future could get. And I think where it's like we see all the X-Men dead. I borrowed the uh, story of uh, Cyclops taking Wolverine's hand and then Wolverine taking his eye. Even though I never understood how Wolverines could lose a hand, I thought it would just grow back, but that's the Age of Apocalypse story, which I do think would be too complex for a movie, So I would, but I would just borrow aspects from it like that, and uh, you kind of see how bleak the future is, and now you're like, okay, now you understand why they need to stop Apocalypse and why he's like this major villain, and then of course we get uh, cameos with Sinister, Sugar Man, who might make appearances in the movie, um... You see the groundwork, and then, you know, people smarter than me could uh, write that movie, but that is how I would have done it, and uh, you may not like it, but uh, I think it's much, much better than what we got. Hopefully, maybe in ten years with Disney, they'll give us the apocalypse we deserve. I have so much hope yeah. for them doing that right, Apocalypse and the Phoenix, like, just do it right, please. Like, I don't get what, I don't understand why it's so complicated to do that right. Apparently it is, uh, which reminds me, will you be returning for X-Men Dark Phoenix in, like... Uh... Actually, screw that. No, no, no. Will you be returning for Logan? Oh, yeah, of, Logan. Of course. When is that? How far away are we from that? That's actually, like, six weeks out. <sighs> well, mm -hmm. let's see. Well, uh, here, let's just do, uh, we got uh, next week, Ninja Turtles 2. Uh, Suicide Squad, Split, Doctor Strange, Lego, Batman movie, and then Logan. Uh, that should be good, yeah. I, I don't know why I wouldn't. I mean, I would I would hate to miss that episode. Oh, Logan? Yeah, and Deadpool 2 is just down the line. Yeah, we've still got some X-Men coming up here. It's not completely dead yet. It'll, it'll be in 2019, but uh. Uh, uh, technically 2020, if we want to get... Hey, when is Dark Phoenix? Because it's not on my list, man. Episode 165. Oh, this came out in 2019? Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought it came out in 2018 for some reason. No. Okay. But yeah, that's uh, that was X-Men Apocalypse. And as I said, next week was Ninja Turtles 2. What was that on again? Pla uh, uh, HBO? You can, find it, uh, you can find it on two different streaming services. You can find it on... Prime Video, and Paramount Plus, where you could also watch Tulsa King. Hmm. Yeah, 
Good stuff. Uh, that's not an ad, even though I work for a company that has a vested interest in Paramount Plus. Yeah, Paramount. <laughs> Yeah, the 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 more I reveal, the more it's like I'm making it pretty obvious where I work, but I'm not going to name them on the podcast. He works at but, Sears. Yes, I work at Sears. <laughs> and IHOP. And uh, what's the other thing that got a plug in? Uh, Kodak. <laughs> yes, there we go. Oh, yeah. and um, what was the other? I thought there was another one. Uh, maybe not. Either way, uh, guys. Ninja Turtles 2, Paramount Plus, debut of Seamus on the podcast. Yeah. And uh, actually, funny enough, the debut, because uh, we haven't covered any of the shows, the debut of Stephen Amell. Oh, yeah. The wrestler? Yeah. Yes, yes, noted wrestler, Stephen Amell. Um, <laughs> Josh, thank you for coming on the show again on this lovely Thanksgiving morning. It was fun. Good, good, uh, good experience with the Ed Man getting to hash out some uh, trauma from the last couple of years from this movie. Yes, yeah. this was the one I've been waiting for since three years in the making, and it's it's finally here, and now it's over. And now I have no reason to live. This mm-hmm. was cathartic for you. Of course, I have reason to live. Dark Phoenix is coming up in like oh, twenty yeah. weeks. <laughs> yeah, and then you got New Mutants, and then oh god, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either way, thank you guys, and uh, I need a quote. Well, there was one good apocalypse quote, which was uh, "Come for your weaklings," but hardly would be. It wouldn't even be like a top ten in like the apocalypse of the cartoon. But... Okay, you you remember that that uh, that line? Charles says that one thing, and then apocalypse counters. Uh. About a no. house. <laughs> no oh, something. I don't remember what he says exactly. He's like you're. He's like you're in my house now, and he's like you're. Here going we go. To... Yeah. Yes. Don't stop. That's the quote. That's what we're going out with. All right. I'll be Charles, and you can be, be Apocalypse. I'll be Apocalypse. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. <clears throat> you're in my house now. You're gonna need a bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs>